Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Ian Willoughby, Chief Architect Cloud Solutions, and Skip Berry, Executive Director of Cloud Enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Crunch. And welcome, Skip Berry, my wonderful co-host. How are you today? Great, Ian. Thanks for having me again. Great. Well, today we have uh, another one of our special guests, a colleague of ours, data engineering and analytics expert, Rob Whelan. He's joining us today to dive into all things data lakes and data platforms. As many of you know, data is the key to unlocking the path to a better business decisions. What do you need for that? Well, we're going to look at the top five problems that customers have with their data, how cloud has helped them solve these challenges, and how you can leverage the cloud for your data use. Welcome, Rob. Hey, thanks for having me, Ian and Skip. Welcome. Yeah. Rob, you're the practice manager for data engineering and analytics at Second Watch. Can you give us a little bit of uh, background on how you ended up in this wonderful role? Yeah, I've uh, always been interested in data. It's always come easily to me. And uh, as the cloud has become more front and center in our in our industry and a lot of different markets that I've worked in, in consulting and startups and, and otherwise, um, it's become clear to me that, uh, man, there's some, there's some great opportunities to help people make much better decisions driven by data. Uh, things are moving too fast to go by your gut anymore. And that is where data comes in. So I actually joined Second Watch because I wanted to see how data and machine learning could be used at the, you know, quote unquote, normal everyday companies. So Uber and Netflix and those guys have uh, kind of have a corner on, on machine learning and AI and at least applying it to something real these days. So can we take any of that, those um, kind of best practices and bring them into normal everyday companies that are just trying to make better decisions? That's great. So Rob, why do customers even need data? Well, customers need data for a few reasons and uh, whether or not they know it, they would like to use data for decision support. So like I said, things are just moving too fast out there in any competitive industry uh, for there to be, you know, just people going by their guts. So when sometimes people talk about being data driven, you get this impression that uh, the, the data pops up on the screen and it's a metric and the decision is made for you. But that's not really what I'm talking about by being data driven and uh, supporting decisions. It's more about augmenting and supporting decisions. So a decision could be, you know, should we hire somebody? Should we uh, try to get this project? How many resources should we put on this prospect if you're in sales? How hard should I go after this? What's the probability of, of getting it? Well, a lot of those things are normally informed by gut feel, which is very important. But you can make better decisions in a fast-paced environment if you have data. Um, so, for example, if you're looking at um, an opportunity that you're pursuing in sales. Well, have you gotten any deals from this customer in the past? Uh, how much does the customer typically spend? What does the sales cycle look like? 
those are all pieces of data that can inform that decision. So decision support is really the number one reason people need data. Another big reason is uh, as, again, things, this is the theme here, that things are just moving faster in, in all industries. You might have at the C level, someone like a chief digital officer or chief data officer, or even the CEO who makes it a high priority for the company to become more data centric. So then you've got a strategic initiative coming from the top where everybody needs to be involved with making data more central. So, um, you know, you can, you can see the effects of that. If you talk to managers, um, all of their goals and their, um, you know, incentives are going to be aligned to whatever the C-level is saying. So, um, and often the things that a C-level executive puts out will show up on the internet. So you can, you can find <laughs> out if they are being data-driven from the top. So Rob, with that in mind, what are some of the, uh, if you had a top five of uh, problems that now exist in this exponentially explosive growth of data, right? I read somewhere a couple of weeks ago, was it 1.4 billion devices? And there was 300 hours of new video every hour Mm. Or it was uh, from YouTube coming in. So you just think about those little segments alone. I guess, you know, there's got to be some trending data, <laughs> no pun intended, on uh, on where problems lie around this. So, Yeah, well, your point there, Skip, around uh, just volume of data, there's too much. Hmm. So that's one of the top five that I see is, is the data that I have, am I making any kind of value out of it? Is it relevant? So... Um, that's, you know, the YouTube examples is kind of a fun example. There's tons of data coming up that just expresses that there's a ton of videos. Um, well, what is YouTube doing with that? So can they get any value out of it? What are the trends of what people are posting and why? So, you know, relevance, that's one of the top five. On the opposite spectrum, I would say is, can I even see my data? You may not even know what you have. And in fact, that is a more common thing that I've seen um, in the marketplace. Uh, managers being frustrated. I, I can't see the data that I would like to have. <laughs> so um, can I see it? Um, now, let's say you can see your data and you got the dashboard in front of you. Can I even trust it? So untrustworthy data is, I'd say, the third biggest problem. You've got the data in front of you, but for some reason, you don't trust it. And so you hesitate to make decisions based on it. Um, kind of a lesser, I guess, related to that is, is this data even recent? Is it fresh data? If data is old, uh, it doesn't, it may not matter. In, in some situations, uh, the recency of data down to the second might really count. In other situations, uh, you don't care if it's, you know, just fresh from yesterday. So data recency, not knowing how recent or not getting it in time. And finally, uh, you know, I hate to use the term, uh, but is my data siloed? So siloed data is a massive problem. And, and there's a reason people use that term often. I like to go on a rant that for every SaaS application you sign up for, you're creating a new silo. So if you sign up for salesforce.com, you sign up for MailChimp, you sign up for Trello, Atlassian, and so on. 
um, all great products, but your data is siloed there. So what that does is just kind of slow you down when it comes to analysis. Now, with some of the silos that you just mentioned, I've had the pleasure, of course, working with you in the past. You've identified some of the other areas that things get siloed and how they get siloed. It kind of follows some of the, maybe the organizational structure of the company. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, and I've enjoyed working with you too, Ian. Um, <laughs> actually, well, heard thank a, you. <laughs> a, I heard a great, I stole this from Google, but uh, someone in the data department at, at GCP said, look, if you want to know how a data is siloed, look at the org chart of a company. And that's very true. So if you look at maybe the HR organization, they've got Workday silo marketing uh they've got maybe hubspot another silo uh sales have salesforce silo operations and so on so um that is kind of an easy way to navigate the problems or, or at least know what the problems have people have right off the bat awesome that's great and uh Moving on from that, those are great problems. And uh, having the experience of working with you, it's, it's, uh, it seems to be repetitive as well. What are some of the ways the cloud has solved these problems? Right. So if you think about those five problems, is my data relevant? Can I see it? Trust it? Is it recent or is it siloed? The cloud is great at making things faster and more flexible. So again, if, if you have a problem with data trustability, there are tools galore for cleansing your data. If you have problems with even seeing your data, if it's across silos, again, tools galore for breaking down those, uh, those barriers. But I will, I will say the cloud is great at that with two caveats. One, it does take some work. So again, there's all sorts of libraries out there to let you get data out of Salesforce but that takes some elbow grease. You have to actually work at it. But before you even apply that elbow grease, you need to know why you're doing it. And that's, that's the business objective that you're trying to get to. Why do we even care about this data? What do I need to get out of it? Um, it's pretty common uh, for data projects to fall into this, I guess a trap where you just throw a bunch of resources at a problem. Hey, get me some of that data. And you've got the data, but now you're not sure what to do with it. So I really like to tell people, hey, if you want to undertake some kind of data project, you, you really need to start with the business objective. More than I would think any other initiative in the cloud for data, you really need to start with a, a defined business objective. Let me add to that rant a little bit. So if you're migrating out of a data center, that business pitch is pretty simple my data center is going out of business or my lease is coming up. I don't want to reinvest uh, on a contract. I'd like to pay as you go in the cloud, easy business pitch, but for data, the business pitch is different for every customer. Are you trying to reduce operational costs? Are you trying to increase your speed to market? I mean, it's just like, it kind of, splays out to, to many different pathways. So I, I just think it's a little bit more sophisticated when you're talking about data. You, you do have to have a bit more of a business mindset. Has the cloud actually solved any of these problems in your experience and exposure to some of these? The cloud has provided a ton of tools to do it, but there is still the problem at the end of the day of dirty data. Everybody's got dirty data. And as long as you are 
maybe afraid to or, or unwilling to get in there and clean up that data, all the tools in the world won't help you. So I, again, I think that there's lots of tools in the cloud, but they're really for developers. So if your developers and engineers don't have a business mindset or someone engaged in sort of the business value of an effort, then they're just tools. So I don't, I don't think the cloud has solved the, the problem of just unearthing value out of data. Although there are some initiatives around that, it's called augmented analytics. We're, we're probably a few years down the road for that sort of thing. Well, you, you brought up two interesting points there that I want to drill in a little bit more. One is, how do you know your data is dirty or clean? Let's go. Let's start with that one. Yeah, very very simple. Um, around dirty data is uh, is kind of data validation. Are the and usually there's problems around dates. Okay, so dates, timestamps, are dates missing? And then also uh, anything you're getting from a web form. So think of filling out a form on Salesforce. If you're typing in a lot of text fields, humans make mistakes. So there's errors in spelling. There's errors in you know referencing customers and that sort of thing. So um, to the extent that you're not validating the data coming in, like doing quality checks on it, then you're just gonna you're gonna have problems. It's gonna interfere with analysis. The net effect is that it just takes longer to come to value. Gotcha. Then the second part is you kind of touched on this a little bit is that data and the processing behind it may not just be a data engineering role. Sounds like you alluded to the fact that business side really needs to be involved with that. And, and how would you, you know, obviously every client's a little bit different, but how would you give some advice to somebody to, to kind of structure that relationship? I think it goes uh, back to the initial you know, question, what do data, customers need data for? Well, we need it to support decisions. So if you're clear about the decisions that you need to make, that is what I call your guiding North Star for any data initiative. And you, you kind of need to pound that over and over and over. So if you want to set up a team to uh, explore something or to you know, answer some question, you should have some engineers and at least someone from the business side Maybe it's a business analyst, maybe it's a project manager, but someone who's in touch with the business objective. I think that's a good way to, to set up a team. So again, if you can go back to, hey, what decisions do I need to support and inform? That tends to be the, the guiding North Star. Is that kind of what you're going after, Ian? Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like it comes back again to making sure that you have your business objectives nailed down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Back to your soapbox uh, that you were saying. But yeah. No, that, you said it better. Yeah, you don't defy physics, uh, so to speak, at the end of the day, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. What's your advice for people exploring cloud now just for the the use, the ease of data, where it's ubiquitous within an organization, say even a financial institution, but they were just, you know, uh, old back office spreadsheets and what have you. Right. Uh, you know, if someone was to go and um, maybe this gets back to the, the business objective uh, again, but be interesting to hear your thoughts. You know, if they were just on a voyage today setting out and they have, you know, troves and troves of data, what would be some advice that you would give them uh, how to keep uh, yeah. yeah, those early days intact to get to an end state? I've got some high level advice. I've got some tactical advice and I've got some maybe maybe words of wisdom and encouragement. So the, the high level advice is 
go through those five categories of problems. You know, once you once you decide you want to get into data, and maybe you've identified the data that would help uh, to inform those decisions, go through those five problems. Can I, you know, can I see it? Can I trust it? Uh, is it recent? All those problems drive the actual physical tasks that it takes to to get that data and, and get value out of it. So that's that's kind of my high level thing. Hey, what a, what problem are you trying to solve? On the tactical side, I, I like to tell people, you know, data is just like think of a bunch of a big pile of CSV files. So a CSV file is you open up an Excel spreadsheet application and it's a table. It's a table. That's what data is, no matter in what format it's in. You can basically think of it as being in a table. So on the tactical side, can you get that CSV file into the cloud and into some sort of chart in the cloud and do that as fast as possible with as, with as few barriers and decisions as possible? If you do that, then you're, uh, you're, you've leapfrogged over all sorts of you know, technical challenges. I guess my words of encouragement are a data project is not done until you can see it. So really get that data, again, even if it's just a, you know, a CSV file, a single CSV file, put it in a chart somewhere on the cloud. And in so doing, you're going to familiarize yourself with a whole host of tools. And um, I think the possibilities will really excite you. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really great. Now, I, I would... Maybe a little bit of a challenge. You know, data has been there for a long time. Uh, customers have always had data. Clients, customers, uh, organizations. Again, obviously, cloud is a, a motivating factor. But specifically with the cloud and and the rate of experimentation, you know, why do you feel now is kind of the nexus in order to kind of start uh, unlocking the potential here? Yeah. Okay. I've got two answers on that. One is related to the fact that uh, you, you said, hey, data has been around for a long time. Well, I mentioned at the beginning, like we're not necessarily working with Uber, but we're working with um, media companies, manufacturing companies. And these companies have been around a long time, 10, 20 years. So they actually do have a ton of data. That's kind of what's interesting about uh, data that's different from applications and migrations you can really throw away applications and, and kind of restart, but data is always valuable, no matter how old it is. It's always valuable. So that's why I like working with these companies that have been around a long time. They already have a ton of data. And when it comes to your question about experimentation, this goes back to my idea that, man, everything is going so fast in, in almost every industry. And that is driven by technology, it's, be, it's being driven by consumer choice. Customers have choices beyond, I mean, they, they're so uh, demanding and that drives the entire process in so many industries because they have so much more selection and convenience. That is making things go really fast. Since things are going fast, the idea of a 12 or 18 or 24 month business plan is, is almost laughable. I don't think anyone really does that um, unless you're on a very high level. Uh, for the most part, most of us need to operate in like two, three, four, maybe six month time horizons. That's a short time horizon. We don't know what's going to happen, which means we need to, we need to experiment. Um, so when I say experiment, I say, 
I mean, come up with, with some sort of question you want to answer and try to answer it in an inexpensive way. Experimentation should be cheap. It shouldn't cost you much in terms of time and dollars. And that is one of the things the cloud really has brought. It has lowered the cost of experimentation dramatically. Uh, the only thing in the way of that, of course, at this point is cultural acceptance and embracing of uh, experimentation. So the old fail fast, fail cheap model is still prevalent even in, in data, right? It's, it's still relevant, yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. What do you think, um, just a, as an aside uh, discussion point in the, in the world that we live in today, what do we think the effects of COVID-19 and what have you will push this area along? I know it's probably hard to throw a dart at it, but, um, but just in your um, you know, assessment, I know you and I have talked personally a lot about that, but just interesting to get your thoughts on where this will push the industry and uh, effectively the, we'll say the evolvement in the space. Mm. It's been so interesting. And thankfully, I've, I've been very lucky to just sort of sit here in relative safety and, and be an observer. But I think what COVID-19 has done is, is maybe three things. One is everybody's aware of data now. <laughs> you know, the idea of flattening the curve. I mean, I'm sure everybody's sort of contemplated what that actually means. So data is going to be forefront in people's minds. People, we've got an invisible enemy and so we need to sort of trust the data. Another thing that I've seen is I get a lot of newsletters for machine learning and a lot of people in the, who are sort of practitioners of AI. And by the way, the reason AI and data sort of come together are usually lumped in the same categories. You need data to create artificial intelligence. A lot of people are getting really interested in in uh, healthcare and the problem of COVID-19 and, and maybe ways to develop a vaccine. But the irony of all this is that still the most effective way to sort of slow the spread is just to stay away from people. Like you don't need any data for that. I found that to be sort of ironic. But the last thing that I think will be really, really great is, uh, you know, healthcare is an industry that needs a refresh. And, um, Healthcare of all industries has just amazing troves of data and, and we're just not using it. So my hope is that the healthcare industry can, you know, can get its feathers ruffled a little bit, whether from the inside or from, you know, just people demanding more, more from their healthcare. And I think data will be central to that because I've, you know, I've got a fitness tracker. Maybe you guys have one too, but that idea of knowing precisely, you know, about your body and your health. I just think the demand is going to ratchet up over time. People are going to need mm -hmm. to know more and more. Yeah, it's interesting. What I'm probably looking out for in the future is when does the data just become noise? Like how do you filter the signal yeah. to noise ratio? Yeah. And then you get a false sense of security when the data is not there, right? So if we become so entrenched into making some, we think we're being comforted by that data, what happens to human behavior when it's not readily available or it doesn't tell us what we want it to. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, and this is, um, so I think, you know, data is not a, it's not a panacea. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cure everything. It should augment and support our decision-making. Mm -hmm. The same with, with AI, you know, like self-driving cars will always have this, you know, I'm not an expert in that field, but I'm sure there's always going to be some sort of like, Hey, I'm going to take it over now, but you know, like 
we don't want to put all our faith in these algorithms and data. We, we want the data to support us. You know, we're creative beings. Data is not creative. It should tell us what is going on in the world and make recommendations, but we should still be making the decisions. That's great. A uh, little bit bonus for our audience, uh, if you can offer some tactical advice. Uh, for those who are interested in getting into this field, what would be uh, some good areas for them mm -hmm. to, to learn about, study, some skills, programming languages, and what have you? Great. So if you're interested in getting the field, I would learn Python. Uh, Python is a programming language that, you, you know, you can use it for data engineering, machine learning, algorithm development. You can still build apps with Python. It's just really versatile and very forgiving. <laughs> Even I can learn it. <laughs> so learn Python. Then I would try the machine learning course on Coursera by Andrew Ng. And this is, this is sort of the classic everyone's got to go through it because you're going to be exposed to so many different algorithms in a practical way. And then I would say, just don't, don't spend a lot of time on the theory. There's plenty of people working on the theory and they are really pushing the industry forward. But, um, and if you want to do that, then go do it, go get a PhD in math. It's going to take some work, but if you would like to, you know, do something practical a little bit, you know, closer to, uh, to now, then go build some stuff on any of the major cloud platforms. They all are supporting machine learning and, and trying to make it easy. And I, I know for sure it is valuable to any company if you're someone who understands data and can actually build something to present data to an executive. So Python, machine learning course from Andrew Ng, and build something. I definitely second that class. Uh, it is takes, there's a lot of theory in there and I think it'll make you really appreciate what is available in the cloud. So you don't have to re-engineer that. That's right. Yeah. Rob, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to not only interview you, but continue to work with you. Oh, likewise. Skip. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. Great. Thanks Ian. And uh, Rob, thank you also from me, you know, uh, great to work with you and uh, great to have you on the podcast. Oh man, this is, this is a blast. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys' time and doing this and being on the team. Audience, we want to hear from you. Email us at cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com with comments, questions, and ideas. Until next time, we'll talk to you then. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Ian Willoughby and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter. <laughs>